Africa rise and shine Africa zora Africa amka na unai Good morning and welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on the frequency 6145 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa and on 15255 kHz on the 19-meter band to Far West Africa. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Onelen Tsinzi, Tabisolo Hoko and Figile Lingwati. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at Asawa, South African Deputy President leads government delegation to Indonesia and Zimbabwean President condemns xenophobic violence in South Africa. In economics, firms express concern over DRC's proposed tax hike and in sports news, South African wheelchair tennis star Lucas Tolle wins the South African Open. But first up, the news with Onelen Sinti. Sudanese rebels have killed 136 civilians in attacks during the presidential elections that ended last week. Independent daily newspaper Al-Jarida and other newspapers quote the governor of South Kordofan State, Adam Al-Faki, as saying that rebels targeted civilians' areas in order to disrupt the vote, adding that 150 people were wounded. Rebels are battling government forces in South Kordofan and two other regions in fightings that has displaced tens of thousands of people in recent years. Polling centers for the elections closed on Thursday and resulted are expected next Monday. President Omar al-Bashir is expected to extend his 25-year rule following an opposition boycott of the vote. Burundi has charged 65 protesters with rebellion after they were arrested during clashes with police while calling for the president not to seek re-election. Tensions are high with opposition parties concerned and incumbent President Pierre Nkurunziza's expected bid for re-election in June despite the constitutional limit of two terms. Nkurunziza has not yet confirmed whether he intends to try stay in power, but his supporters say he has every right to do so. Five opposition parties as well as splinter groups who oppose Ngurunziza have launched a campaign calling for the president not to run again. Egypt's former president Mohamed Morsi faces being sentenced to death tomorrow on charges of inciting the killing of protesters. This in the first verdict against him nearly two years after his fall from power. He also faces the death penalty in two other trials, including one in which he is accused of spying for foreign powers and escaping from prison during the 2011 anti-Mubarak revolt. Morsi was toppled by the then army chief and now President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi on July 2013 after street protests against his year-long rule. Only a few dozen people have been saved after the capsizing of a fishing boat that survivors say carried 700 people. This has raised fears that the migrant tragedy off Libya's coast could become the Mediterranean's deadliest. Italian Premier Matteo Renzi says a total of 18 ships, including nearby commercial vessels, pressed into service after a helping in the search mission. The Premier of Malta, whose island nation participated in the search and rescue mission, put the number of survivors at 50 total. Daniel Dickinson has more. 
If confirmed, the incident would be one of the worst disasters involving migrants in the Mediterranean Sea. The boat, which it's thought was operated by people smugglers, is believed to have capsized when migrants moved to one side of the overcrowded vessel. A recent intensification of lawlessness in Libya has reportedly provided smugglers with more opportunities to traffic people across the Mediterranean. The international community has been meeting at the UN Crime Congress in Qatar and has been discussing, amongst other issues, transnational organized crime. And finally, brand experts have warned that South Africa as a brand will adversely be affected by the recent xenophobic attacks, mostly in the KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng provinces. Seven people have been killed, hundreds displaced, and 307 have been arrested for violence against foreign nationals. Brand expert Tebe Igalafeng says communities around the African continent have reacted with shock to the attacks. Last night I was speaking to friends from Ghana, for example, and they sent me a campaign which is going on there, which they're going to have a black Saturday, where they are going to boycott all South African businesses. So certainly from a trade perspective, it's going to do incredible damage. Now from a citizenship perspective, our identity as a country within the bigger continent, that's certainly going to be a problem. From a tourism perspective, 60% of the tourists which come into South Africa come from the rest of the continent. So this is going to have a devastating impact on the three pillars of building a Channel Africa News. Channel Africa supports hashtag say no to xenophobia and hashtag we are one. Africa rise and shine. Africa Zola. Africa Amuka na Unai. Thank you, Onele. It is 8.06 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. South Africa's Deputy President Sul Ramaphosa is to lead a government delegation to Indonesia in a bid to boost economic relations with Southeast Asia's largest economy. This week, Indonesia will host the Asia-Africa Summit and commemorate the 1955 Bandung Conference. The historic gathering is credited for heralding an era for Africa's independence from colonial rule and the establishment of the non-aligned movement. President Jacob Zuma cancelled his scheduled week-long visit to Indonesia due to xenophobic violence at home. Tepo Ikaneng reports. Indonesia is one of Southeast Asia Pacific's influential state and is the world's fourth biggest population of about 250 million people. It's also the largest Muslim country whose economy is reliant on exports of oil, gas, textiles and rubber. Both South Africa and Indonesia are largest economies in their respective regions and endowed with rich natural and maritime resources. Minister in the office of the President, Jeff Hadebe, says one of the major focal areas in their engagement with their Indonesian counterparts is to lobby support for government's multi-billion rent ocean economy development initiative called Operation Pakisa. Our uh, areas of uh, emphasis is on the ocean's economy, the blue economy, where we like Indonesian companies to invest in our uh, ocean's economy as well as in horticultural produce. So these areas, amongst others, we believe are going to be cementing the good political relations that exist between the two countries. Two-way trade between South Africa and Indonesia is estimated at just over 2 billion U.S. dollars. Both countries have expressed readiness 
to promote technical cooperation in areas of education and human resources development, agriculture and animal farming, as well as small and medium enterprises. South Africa wants to serve as a gateway to Indonesian companies in the SADC region. Prominent international investor Faisal Motlekar says South African businesses can benefit immensely from Indonesia's diverse economic market. Indonesia is a big player in the market. It's a developing country in the Asia-Pacific. So for us, um, it gives us access to the market, uh, especially on the agriculture where South Africa can benefit by exports. Indonesia is one of the largest rubber producers. So I think from that point of view, the, the relationship can grow more than what it is can grow. And, and they, they can use a lot of our goods on the finished product. Afro-Asia economics expert Sanusha Naidu says South Africa's new push to improve its diplomatic and trade relations with Indonesia will further enhance Pretoria's potential to expand its investments across Southeast Asia. Well, I think it's part and parcel of how we actually want to expand our interests outside of, of just, just Africa. I think it's about looking at other trading partners outside, and I don't think it's a wrong move. Partly is to try and encourage more private sector investment from Indonesia into the South African economy. Uh, more importantly, I think, is to deal with some of the anti, the tariff and non-tariff issues related to trade, two-way trade, uh, in particular anti-dumping measures. Uh, and I think also to increase the scope of, of uh, Indonesia's trade in, 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 in the region, and in particular with regard to uh, SADC and, and, of course, the tripartite free trade area that's being negotiated or supposed to be negotiated and finalized in June. And then more importantly for South Africa to try and increase its trade through Indonesia into into Southeast Asia and, of course, its relationship with ASEAN. Indonesia will also play host to the Asia-Africa Summit. This is seen as advancing the South-South cooperation. Later in the week, it will commemorate the 1955 Bandung Conference, which was attended by, amongst others, the late ANC stalwart Moses Kotani. Tsepo Ikaneng, Jakarta, Indonesia. South Africa's Home Affairs Minister Malusi Gigaba says law enforcement agencies will do everything in their power to restore law and order. Briefing the media in the capital, Pretoria, Gigaba reiterated government's efforts to stop attacks on foreign nationals in the country. The attacks started in the Guazul Natal province two weeks ago and spread to some parts of, Gauteng, of the Gauteng province. The country's President Jacob Zuma appointed Gigaba, State Security Minister David Mashlobo and Police Minister Natin Tlego to spearhead government's response to the attacks. Maluti Obuseng has more. The government says it's aware that there are people within communities who incite violence against foreign nationals. Attacks on foreign nationals erupted in Isipingo in KwaZulu-Natal two weeks ago. Seven people, including three South Africans, are known to have died since the outbreak of the attacks. Home Affairs Minister Malusi Gigaba has sent a stern warning to those inciting attacks on foreign nationals. We know them. Many of them have been on your uh, news reports with their names. Those people, some of them have already been arrested and we are going to continue to arrest anybody who incites violence. And we will spare nobody, regardless of your standing in South African society. You have no right to incite violence in our country. And so we are taking action against all of those people. Police are trying to establish the origins of SMSs making rounds in the country, threatening foreign nationals. Gauteng Police Commissioner Elias Mawela explains how they are tracing the authors of these messages. 
We do have systems in place. Our intelligence community comprising of the crime intelligence, state security and defense intelligence, who are on the 24-hour basis monitoring even the social media network, monitoring all the messages which are being sent all over the country. So every time when they see those messages, they don't ignore them. They follow them up. They analyze those information and advise the operational people so that we can follow them up. Meanwhile, State Security Minister David Mashobo says government is able to collect information through its intelligence structures. Mashobo says he's content with the country's intelligence capabilities. Well, we must also admit that there will be lapses like everywhere in the world. There will be lapses even in intelligence. You can check the, the big countries which have a strong force like the Americans, the French and others. They have been hit before. That's why we always say that there is no country that is not vulnerable. We are all vulnerable, but we are content that with the capability we'll have, we'll be able to respond when push comes to a shove in actually securing our national integrity as our country. More police have been deployed to Alexandra Township, north of Johannesburg, after a weekend newspaper released photographs of a Mozambican national being stepped in full view of the public. The man died later in hospital. Minister Gigaba says nothing justifies the violence. People must trust in, in the laws that we have as a country to manage the situation. There are other concerns which they have raised, which I think that uh, we, we have addressed and we will continue to address the nation on those to indicate the steps that we are taking to deal with some of those concerns. But our view is quite clear. There is nothing, no concern or grievance justifies the violence that we have seen perpetrated against foreign nationals. Government working with embassies will assist those who wish to return home and also help integrate into society foreigners who want to stay. Social Development Department is also assisting displaced foreigners. I am Malutubu Seng in Pretoria. South African Minister of Police Ngosnati Ntlego says the department's We Are One Humanity campaign against xenophobia will be taken to all provinces between May and October this year. The program will include outreach campaigns, mass education campaigns, engaging the African continent in discussions on xenophobia and showcasing different cultures. Ntlego says this will be done through a festival and carnival to bring together various cultures, emphasizing the richness of their diversity. Cyril Mguni reports from Durban. Police Minister Nkosinatintlego has called on all people across the spectrum to participate fully in the campaign to fight and eradicate xenophobia and all other forms of prejudice in communities. He has also appealed to the media to play their part. He says government and his department are promoting acceptance of diversity and embracing differences and peaceful coexistence. He urged church leaders of all denominations and artists to promote this initiative. In terms of other activities, for an example, for instance, activities such as messages, we have been saying, for instance, to religious leaders, various denominations, there are particular messages that they must also begin to issue in relation to the specific consequences that they lead around the question of fight against xenophobia and so on. And until this point, there has been quite greater degree of willingness and acceptance that in 
indeed they will play quite an active role in there. I also appreciate the fact that I've also heard that some musicians are also beginning to issue messages in regard to the fight against xenophobia and so forth. We will also be part of reinforcing some of these initiatives. Meanwhile, Ntlago has expressed support for the Zulu Kings Imbizo scheduled for today at Deben's Moses Mabida Stadium. The king is expected to clarify his earlier statement on foreign nationals, which has widely been criticized and blamed for sparking violence against foreign nationals. The king maintains his words were distorted by the media, and he had never encouraged attacks on anyone. Tlego says the Imbizo is an important step in the campaign against violence. We are in full support of the initiative by the king, by the way, of the Imbizo that has been mobilized. We think that it is a good initiative. It's an initiative that, in a sense, will also go quite a long way in will assist us to churn out a common message right across our society. Meanwhile, the Nigerian Consul General to South Africa, Uche Ayulu Okele, has also appeared for calm among Nigerian nationals in South Africa. She was addressing a group of Nigerians in Durban's Mahatma Gandhi Road area, formerly known as Point Road. Foreign nationals living in the area had said earlier they were ready to defend themselves from locals wanting to loot their shops or intimidate them. The Consul General says both governments are working together to restore order, protect the lives of foreign nationals, and stop xenophobic attacks. Nigeria is the best friend of South Africa since the days of war. And South Africa has not forgotten that. So that is why they have assured me that South Africa remains home, a second home for you. They just want us to be law-abiding. It is now 18 of the past. It won't happen again. That is the assurance I've been given. South African government is working hard to make Ntlego has emphasized that it is imperative that the root cause of xenophobia be addressed and for mindsets to be transformed to ensure long-term peace and stability. Cyril Mguni for SABC News in Durban. I'm Benjamin Mushatama. I'm an African from South Africa. I say no to xenophobia. Let's unite, Africa. Kenna Elizabeth mo Africa wa go tswa province ya Limpopo mo Africa borwa ke ganana le dihlaselo tja badudi ba dinaga dishele ile go xenophobia let's unite Africa Jina langu naitwa Michael Harere. Mimi ni Mwafrika kutoka Uganda. Siungi mkono chuki dhidi ya wageni. Afrika tuungane pamoja. Je m'appelle Jacques. Je suis un Africain de Côte d'Ivoire. Je dis non à la xénophobie. Restons unis, Africains. Ek is Janine, ek praat Afrikaans. Kom ons staan saam en sê nie vir xenophobia. Let's unite Africa.
It's 8.19 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Hundreds of foreign nationals are reported to be leaving South Africa as violence continues to flare. The Mozambican government last week announced that it had made arrangements for its citizens affected by the attacks to be transported back home. For more on this, we now cross over to our reporter Vusi Twala, who is at the Libombo border post between South Africa and Mozambique. Good morning, Vusi, and welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. Morning to you and the listeners. Now, Vusi, it was expected that the border post would receive an influx of Mozambicans uh, traveling back home over the weekend and this morning. What is the situation like there? Well, currently the numbers have not been uh, 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 too big as it was uh, expected. But yes, there are uh, uh, queues that have been formed uh, with the vehicles uh, loaded with the goods, uh, hoping to be cleared into uh, Mozambique. And uh, we have managed to speak to some of uh, the people uh, who are uh, mostly coming from the Houten province. They've indicated that uh, they are leaving the country because they are uh, scared of, of being attacked. Uh, some have indicated that they were even uh, like uh, some like uh, Louis uh, Makamo, who indicated that he was uh, from Tembisa. He said he was uh, attacked while coming uh, from work. And some of uh, the assailants took uh, his belongings, such as wallet, and demanded him to give them money. Uh, but uh, what, is, what, what he said is that uh, he's hoping that after the, the attack uh, has have, have stopped, he will be uh, coming back uh, into the country. Now, Vusi, is there an, any, uh, oh, oh, sorry, what kind of arrangements have been made for these repatriates at the border post and in Mozambique? Because most of them obviously have lost their their documentation, their property. What is the situation there? What happens when they get to the border post? And uh, you mentioned that the numbers haven't been as high as uh, expected of, of, of Mozambicans returning to their home country. Yes, uh, 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 those we have spoken to have indicated that they have entered the country legally and they've got all the, the documents, the required documents, which will enable them to be able to uh, to be created and get back into uh, Mozambique. Uh, what was also uh, visible was some who uh, actually managed to survive their attacks. They had bruises on their bodies, and some, uh, uh, like Mr. Makamo, his elbow uh, uh, was broken during the attack. Well, they've indicated that uh, they were also disappointed uh, to realize that uh, these attacks are only a uh, a, a target uh, to uh, black uh, foreigners, and also they said uh, uh, our, our national anthem uh, says it, 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 it gives prayer, uh, pain for the, all, uh, the entire continent, but uh, now some Africans are, are being uh, attacked and killed. They, they said uh, 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 one of them indicated that he came into South Africa in 1993, and he has called the family and married to a South African. He said, but uh, because of these attacks, he had to, 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 to leave his family and, and go back to his country so that uh, he will uh, give himself time until uh, the situation has returned to normally. That's when he will be able to come back into South Africa. Vusi, have you managed to speak to any of the people with regards to those who do not have documentation, those who came into South Africa illegally, going back home, what is the situation? What are their plans when they get back back home? And and what is government going to their government going to do to assist them in 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 uh, ensuring that they have a plan when they get back to Mozambique? 
Okay, what was also uh, apparent is that uh, some of them uh, were not willing to talk to us, uh, but we also managed to get to, 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 to speak to a few of them. Uh, what I also heard was uh, an official uh, uh, trying to separate them, to say those who have got uh, uh, a passport must, uh, must form uh, their own queue, and the, the other ones without a passport uh, must also uh, establish their own. But as to... Uh, how were they going to try to, to make a living back in, in Mozambique? Uh, they refused to talk to us, more especially those who have entered, uh, entered the country illegally. They refused to speak to us. But those who have uh, entered illegally, they said they will be coming back because they've got jobs, in, uh, they are working uh, here, and they families. So they wait for the situation to return to normal and, and then come back into the country and continue with their normal life, which they have been leading. Vusi, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure there will be further updates as the day continues in our other programs um, um, as the day gets along. And, uh, you know, there's a difference there at the Libombo border post. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That was our reporter, Vusi Twala, on the line from the Libombo border post. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Zimbabwean leader President Robert Mugabe contradicted his finance minister Patrick Chinamasa over the weekend during the commemorations of the country's 35th independence. A few days ago, Patrick Chinamasa said the country has no capacity to pay bonuses for 2015 and 2016, promising to review... I beg your pardon to review the situation in 2017. However, President Mugabe assured government workers that bonuses would be paid as the country's economy is on a rebound. Simon Muchema reports from Harare. Zimbabwe attained 35 years of independence from the white colonial rule on the 18th of April and again citizens were made to reflect on the gains of freedom over the weekend. These celebrations were however held two years following the adoption of a new constitution but the country's laws are yet to be realigned. The existence of old laws and a new constitution has created a gap between the authorities and the ordinary people who are accusing their leaders of dragging their feet. For some, this is a basic human right but there has been a disturbing lack of progress. As Zimbabweans were expected to celebrate on this day But this year, the cash crunch, closure of companies, and unemployment was the general talk. The independent celebrations were held under a backdrop of attacks on foreigners in neighboring South Africa, some of whom are Zimbabweans who fled due to economic hardships. Rashid Mahia said there is much poverty and nothing to celebrate. I think there's nothing to celebrate, uh, especially given the current economic conditions that people are facing, the poverty and also the what is happening in South Africa to Zimbabwe. It's, it's evidence that there's a lot of poverty. Maureen Dewa has two degrees and not employed and is bitter the Zimbabwean economy is getting worse. I need to take care of myself. I need to take care of my siblings. Family. I need to take care of my siblings. I need to family. I need to take However, during the independence celebrations, President Mugabe assured all Zimbabweans that no one would go hungry despite persistent droughts 
affecting most parts of the country. I nonetheless want to assure all our citizens that the government is putting in place contingency measures to ensure that no one will starve. President Mugabe took this opportunity as African Union and SADC chairman to condemn the attacks of foreigners taking place in South Africa. Nearly 3 million Zimbabweans are in South Africa due to economic hardships in Zimbabwe. I would want now to express our sense of shock and disgust as we abhor the incident that happened in Durban where some uh, five or six Africans were burnt to death deliberately by some members of the South African Zulu community. We understand it was a protest against the influx into South Africa of or by citizens of neighboring countries. The act of treating other Africans in that horrible way can never be condoned by anyone. We say on our own behalf and on behalf of SADC, as indeed on behalf of the African Union, that must never happen again. Mugabe, however, went on to castigate his finance minister in public over the non-payment of bonuses. Patrick Chinamasa had earlier said government was not in a capacity to pay bonuses is 82% of the revenues being channeled towards salaries. Chinamasa said it was not prudent for Zimbabwe to overtax its citizens, hence difficult to raise extra money for salaries and bonuses. Mugabe said Chinamasa's move was disgusting. We were never consulted, the three of us, that is myself and the vice president. And we say that is disgusting to us and it will never, never be implemented at all. So let the civil servants not be downhearted. The rules are that when government bestows a benefit on civil servants, that benefit cannot be withdrawn because it has become a right. When they are given a benefit, we cannot reverse it at all. It has become their right. And that is what we stand by. So your bonuses will come to you. The clash between President Mugabe and Chinamasa in a way has exposed the Zimbabwean government despite statements to the contrary that since January, President Mugabe has failed to hold more than nine cabinet meetings with his ministers while he's globetrotting. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa. Our headlines up next with Onelen Zinzi. Sudanese rebels have killed 136 civilians in attacks during the presidential elections that ended last week. Burundi charges 65 protesters with rebellion after they were arrested during clashes with police while calling for the president not to seek re-election. And brand experts warn that South Africa as a brand will adversely be affected by the recent xenophobic attacks. Channel Africa News. Channel Africa supports hashtag say no to xenophobia and hashtag we are one.
Thank you, Onele. Prisons could be places where the ideology of violent extremists could be reversed, according to the UN Interregional Crime and Justice Research Institute, UNICR. During the 13th UN Congress on Crime Prevention and Criminal Justice in Doha, Qatar, UNICRI organized an event on the rehabilitation of extremist offenders. Reem Abaza caught up with Joanne Joseph, the project manager for UNICRI in Indonesia who spoke about the role of prisons in dealing with this type of offender. Prisons not only provide an opportunity to restrict their ability to cause violence and issues to the community but it also provides the opportunity to deal with the issues that led them to violent extremism. And if we can assess their risk and their needs and identify the issues that led them to violent extremism, then we can better find the appropriate and correct strategies and programs to be able to move them away from believing that their ideology must include or involve causing harm or violence on people who do not share that ideology. What are some of the practices, the good practices, you advise countries or uh, prison systems to apply in this regard? Well, I think the Rome Memorandum on Good Practices on the Rehabilitation and Reintegration of Violent Extremist Prisoners is a really good source document to be able to look into as the best principles to manage extremist prisoners. And the Rome Protocols includes things such as rehabilitation, risk assessment, proper training of officers, having a database to properly identify who's in the prisons, and the involvement of religious scholars, the involvement of psychologists, the involvement of family and communities to ensure the sharing of information between the prison authorities, the police law enforcement officers, the courts. All these need to be working together, not only sharing information, but supporting each other's procedures and operations in the rehabilitation of the offenders. Another interesting point, how can you benefit from differences and competition between extremist groups like Daesh, ISIL and Jabhat al-Nusra right now to try to reverse the identity or try to reverse the violent ideology of some of the offenders. You need to know exactly what the networks are about, what their philosophy is, what they're saying that they represent and also know about your offender. Why is it that they've been attracted to that particular network? Because often when there's splinter groups or when one group drops away from the larger group, that causes confusion and disillusionment between the people who are subscribing to that form of ideology. So it's a good time or opportune time to then exploit that vulnerability and get them to pull away from that particular ideology. So I think it's important to know what their belief system is, why, where it came from, as well as the network that they're particularly attracted to. That was Joanne Joseph, the project manager for the UN Interregional Crime and Justice Research Institute in Indonesia, speaking to Rim Abaza. The 14th Annual Oliver Empowerment Awards will be taking place at Empress Palace in Johannesburg, South Africa on the 23rd of this month. Hosted by top comedian and Channel Africa, 
These awards recognize and honor outstanding organizations and individuals contributing to South Africa's empowerment and transformation journey. Channel Africa will keep you up to date about these awards. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. The 25th session of the Governing Council of the UN Habitat is taking place in the Kenyan capital, Nairobi, with participants focusing mainly on ways of dealing with urban planning. The session comes at a time when planners in Africa's urban centers are extremely worried by worsening poverty in cities. James Shimanyula attended the session and filed the following report. United Nations Habitat Session, ending this coming Thursday, is expected to mainly focus on urbanization agenda, which has featured prominently in similar sessions over the past 10 years. The Nairobi UN Habitat Session comes in the wake of United Nations reports that world cities have been turned into centers of extensive pollution and epicenters of urban poverty. Addressing participants at the opening session, their host, President Uhuru Kenyatta of Kenya, expounded on the importance of strengthening habitat. It is our collective responsibility to ensure that UN habitat supports sustainable urbanization in the first half of the 21st century. UN habitat will need to be strengthened in its governance process and financial resources. This will allow the body to be both more effective partner to governments at both national and local level and to productively engage with the spectrum of stakeholders pursuing sustainable urbanization. UN Habitat must also be empowered and encouraged to comprehensively engage the private sector whose expectations and investments are doing more to shape the urban space than any other sector. We all agree that governance must be strengthened if UN Habitat is to effectively pursue the mandate we are shaping it for. From the richest cities in the most urbanized countries to the villages and small towns in the least urbanized countries, the need for a UN Habitat that can develop relevant knowledge, effectively deliver it, and build capacity in its utilization is key. Such expectations have a cost and can only be fulfilled by a financially stable UN habitat. Delivering the United Nations Secretary General's message to the Nairobi session of UN Habitat Governing Council, Sahile Wokizewde, Director General of the UN Office in Nairobi, said. The session is taking place at a time when the relationship between urbanization and sustainable development is better understood and appreciated. Our struggle for global sustainability will be won or lost in cities. Proliferation of slums and increasing informality in economic, housing, and transport activities have own challenges. Increasing urban inequalities and discriminatory practices against women and marginalized groups must also be overcome if we are to achieve sustainable development over the longer term. Urbanization has assumed an important position in the global discourse on sustainable development. Dr. Johan Kloss, Executive Director of the UN Habitat in Nairobi, briefly underscored the pivotal components 
that push for proper urbanization. We need optimism, we need strategy, we need vision for capturing the positive aspects of urbanization. We need the vision to design the way to capture the positive aspects of urbanization. United Nations Environment Programme, UNEP Executive Director Akim Steiner spoke about the problems that urbanization has caused over the past 100 years. In many cities today we face a future for development that does not automatically imply that urbanization is a better quality of life. Inequity, pollution, but also the unplanned and often very chaotic nature of urbanization has left us with problems that are not only affecting the efficiency of that urban economy, but also the health and well-being of people. Our interest is to ensure that people can lead a healthy life in cities, that people who need to move from A to B do not spend hours in traffic jams, and that modern mobility systems provide for mobility and low-carbon technologies and infrastructure, that buildings and the urban infrastructure become part of the solution to climate change rather than exacerbating the problem, because it is one of the myths that urbanization automatically leads to greater efficiency. Unfortunately, we very often find that it is the opposite. That was United Nations Environment Program UNEP Executive Director Akim Steiner reporting for Channel Africa. This is James Shimanyula. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zola. Africa, Amuka na Unai. South African pop music group Beatenberg were the biggest winners last night at the 21st South African Music Awards. The pop trio bagged a total of six awards for their album, The Hanging Gardens. They also bagged Album of the Year and Best Pop Album Awards. Hip-hop artist K.O. lagged behind Beatenberg, walking away with three awards, including the most prestigious award of the evening, the Record of the Year Award. Sintla Inglihihi brings us more. It was a star-studded award ceremony filled with music and dance as South Africa's finest talent was celebrated. Boy band Beatenberg stole the limelight of the show and this is what the group had to say after they won. We're very grateful to the rest of the country for the support. It's been amazing. Um, I think it's been a long time coming. The guys did well, so it's time to celebrate. Yeah. Best newcomer went to the new kid on the block, Kaspanyovest. This is what the stunned Mafiking Born star had to say. You know, we won an award, which is pretty cool because that makes it the 16th award that we won with the same album. There's so many people who, who put in their five cents to make this album, and you know, that's why it's such a success. Hip hop artist KO stunned critics by walking away with the most fiercely contested award, the record of the year, which is determined by public vote. He took home a total of three awards. It's some sort of validation, you know, we have a mon- the, the monkey off our back, you know, finally we get to win something at the awards, you know what I mean? And uh, it, it just uh, certifies just the work that we've put in, you know, as, as a label and as an artist. You know. The Lifetime Achievement Awards went to Kwaito Legends, Nduma Silela and Manda Spikirimo Fuking for their contribution to the South African music scene.
I'm so humble to receive such an award, unexpected. I thank God for giving me this talent that I was never aware of. And I thank all my families across the, the board. You know, to youngsters, education is the key. You know, without education, you don't have a plan B. The best female award went to another Northwest-born music songstress, Busi, while the Best Male Artist Award was scooped by AKA. This is what Busi had to say after scooping her award. I'm so excited and thank you to Samas for believing that I am the best female. Another major winner was Voter Killerman, whose Grammy-winning album won the award for Best Classical or Instrumental Album. Kellerman was also awarded the International Achievement Award. I'm Walter Kellerman and my album Winds of Samsara was written for Nelson Mandela, Mandela and Mahatma Gandhi. It's about peace, love and tolerance. So um, I'm asking people to look in their hearts and look for thoughts of love and caring. Music revelers who attended the event shared mixed feelings about the awards. KO walked out with some awards and I'm very much excited because I also voted and yay. I'm disappointed, definitely disappointed. That's all. So I was hoping they'll get something. Meanwhile, musicians and others in the entertainment industry added their voice in the national call to end xenophobic attacks. I really think that people should stop the attacks. I don't think they should have happened at all. I don't think any human deserves to be attacked for whatever reason that you might create in your head. Hi, this, this is Black Motion, Motion, and we are against xenophobia. Hey, I'm Ross from Prime Circle, and I'm asking that South Africa unite against xenophobia. Uh, like Double uh, HP said, uh, Africa, I wasn't born in Africa, but Africa was born in me. This is the soil. African people are happening, mm -hmm. happening, happening. Mm -hmm. That was the soil singing out that report by Sintle Inglehihi in South Africa's Northwest Province. This morning we ask you, do you think enough measures have been put in place to bring the situation under control in South Africa on the xenophobic attack? Send us your thoughts and your views on email at info at channelafrica.co.za or send us an SMS to plus 2782-332-5905 or get a hold of us on Twitter at Rise Africa or at Channel Africa 1. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Our economics update up next with Tabiso Lehoko. Thanks, Lulz. Zimbabwean President Robert Mugabe has contradicted his finance minister, Patrick Chinamasa, over the weekend during the commemorations of the country's 35th independence. A few days ago, Chinamasa said the country had no capacity to pay bonuses for the 2015-16, promising to review the situation in 2017. However, Mugabe has assured government workers that bonuses will be paid as the country's economy is on a rebound. Someone Muchemwa reports from Harare. Zimbabwe attained 35 years of independence from the white colonial rule on the 18th of April and again citizens were made to reflect on the gains of freedom 
over the weekend. These celebrations were however held two years following the adoption of a new constitution but the country's laws are yet to be realigned. The existence of old laws and a new constitution has created a gap between the authorities and the ordinary people who are accusing their leaders of dragging their feet. South Africa's Deputy President, Cyril Ramaphosa, is leading a government delegation to Indonesia in a bid to boost economic relations with the Southeast Asian largest economy. This week, Indonesia will host Asia-Africa Summit and commemorate the 1955 Bandung Conference. The historic gathering is accredited for heralding an era for Africa's independence from colonial rule and the establishment of the non-aligned movement. President Jacob Zuma cancelled his scheduled week-long visit to Indonesia due to uh, Afrophobia violence in South Africa. Tsepo Igane reports from Jakarta. President Jacob Zuma's last-minute decision to cancel his trip to Indonesia did not deter government to use this week's commemoration of the 60th anniversary of the Bandung Conference to reassert South Africa's position as one of Africa's leading economies. Deputy President Sarah Ramaphosa will now have to represent South Africa at the week-long Asia-Africa Summit. The South African delegation has placed itself to face questions about the xenophobic violence plaguing the country. Any increase by the DRC in the taxes it levies on mining will strife new investment in that country. That's according to Congo's gold miner and gold resources limited. Congo's draft mining code is an effort by the government to boost revenue from an industry that has been the main driver of gross domestic growth. Rand Gold says the Kibali mine and other existing mines in the country are protected by a 10-year stability clause. Cape Fur seal meat will be made available to Namibian shops later this year. For human consumption, seal meat is particularly consumed in Canada and the Arctic region as a reliable and healthy source of low-fat protein. It's generally compared to beef. Friki Valis reports in Ventuk, Namibia's capital. Namibia's Minister of Fisheries and Marine Resources, Bernard Esso, earlier said in Volvis Bay that Namibia would not submit to the 29 European Union's ban on seal products. Delivering his annual fishing industry address, Esso said that Namibia would take the struggle forward to ensure that the country's seal products have access to not only the European market, but also to continents such as Asia, the Americas and the Pacific. The seal products ban also affects Canada, Norway and Sweden. The US dollar, 12.5 South African Rand, 9.70 Botswana, 7.35 Zambia, 0.67 in Britain, 9.4 across the Eurozone. Gold, 1.204 dollars. Platinum, 1.164 dollars an ounce. Brand crude, 6.4 dollars, 22 cents a barrel. I'm Tabiso Lohoku with an economic update on Channel Africa and Channel Africa supports. Say no to Afrophobia and... We are one. A sports update up next with Figile Lingwati.
Now, sports update this hour, starting off with uh, tennis news. South Africa's wheelchair tennis player, Lucas Sitole, defeated world number one, David Wagner, to win the quad singles final of the airports company, South Africa SA Open. This is Sitole's third successive final against the American. Lali Standard reports. Lucas Stolle finally got the monkey off his back when he beat world number one, David Wagner, on his third try in the airports company, South Africa SA Open. Tolly beat the American 3-6-6-3-6-3 and the world number four said this is just the start of things to come. Oh yes, I think uh, this is the new Lucas Itole, uh because from here I'm going uh, to play uh, Japan Open and the other tournaments but I'm um, also going to work hard you know, uh, to, to defend my title when I'm going there and also to, to work hard you know, uh, as my coach uh, told me that uh, there's no break uh, in winter tennis because it changes every day so I just need to keep fit and make sure that I stay injury free and then I think everything will be possible. Lani Stander, Airports Company, South Africa, SA Open, Johannesburg. And the South African Premiership side, Orlando Pirates, showed their class to fight back from two goals down and claim a 2 all draw against Gabon's CF Monana in the first leg of their second round CAF Confederations Cup tie. The match was played at the Stade Augustine Monedan de Sibang in Liberville on Sunday. Pirates substitute Lionolo Majoro scored a crucial goal to have the deficit for the South African side and give them hope of recovering the tie. And the two teams will meet again at Orlando Stadium in Soweto, south of Johannesburg, on the weekend of the 1st and the 3rd of May. And South African Football Association, SAFA, will play two international friendly matches against neighboring countries in a bid to sensitize the public on the evils of xenophobia. SAFA CEO Dennis Mumble says details of the two international friendly matches will be announced by SAFA in a few days' time. Mumble says they want to use the two high-profile international friendly matches as an instrument to unite this continent. Mumble says what has been happening in the past few days have really left most people in a shock and dismay. He says Madiba spoke of the power of sport in uniting people from different walks of life and they want to use the power of football to unite this continent and kick out the scourge within certain malcontents in our society. And finally, with golf news, Thailand's Kira Dech Afibanrat has won the Shenzhen International for his second European Tour victory. He finished on 12 under par after a closing 72 and edged past the Chinese number one Li Hao Tong at the first hole of a playoff. Nick Dai reports. A dramatic finale to an eventful final day. Afibanrat had led by two but looked out of sorts. By his own admission, he was too nervous. He gave a chance to a host of other players. 19-year-old Lee took advantage to shoot a 67 and set the clubhouse lead. A downcast Afi Barnrat needed the encouragement of his caddy on the 17th tee. His approach allowed a successful eagle putt to tie the lead, and he had a chance to win on 18. In the playoff, he had effectively the same putt, and this time made it for birdie, and he adds to his Malaysian Open success of two years ago. An emotional Tommy Fleetwood narrowly missed out on the playoff and finishes third. You'd imagine every one of the top three finishers has a great future. That's the Sport News this hour. Africa, rise and shine.
Afrika Zola Afrika amka na unai Recapping our top stories on Africa rise and shine at this hour South African Deputy President leads government delegation to Indonesia and Zimbabwean president condemns xenophobic violence in South Africa. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Pumuzura Magadza and Selina Dobong, technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.co.za or tweet us at Rise Shine Africa. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa is Olivangoma with a track titled Bane.